What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched The Brothers Bloom, a 2008 Ryan Johnson film. And these are our first impressions, unresearched, unrehearsed, yeah. with spoilers. Mm. So, spoilers. Uh, if you don't want to, it is a heist movie, so there are some. It's a con movie. Con, okay. Not quite Slight, the same. Slightly different. Yeah. Slightly different genres. I mean, there is a heist in it, but the heist is part of a larger con, so... Yeah. Yes. So, but if you don't want spoilers... Uh, don't listen to this podcast. Don't listen. Instead, go watch this movie. There. Oh. Solve that. What did you think, Mr. Kevin? Uh, cat wants in. Oh, the cat... That's what you think, is the cat wants in? Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I think... I'm not sure it hit the heights of Ryan Johnson's creative capabilities. I feel like this often gets overlooked in his oeuvre of films. You know, people talk about Brick, which was sort of this, you know, sort of, it was a very small, um, but very impressive neo-noir set in a modern day high school. Yeah. Um, I had never heard of the Brothers Bloom. Yeah. And this is the movie he made right after Brick. So this was his post-Brick success, or his uh, Mallrats, if you will, to Brick being his clerks. Bigger budget, more stars, um, and possibly not quite as successful (laughs) artistically, if not commercially. Um, Not uh, Wikipedia says the budget was twenty million and it made five. So, so it was definitely not commercially successful. It's not. Also true of Mallrats. So my analogy stands. Yeah. As long as you uh, take and distributed by the Weinstein Company. So again, another Mallrats comparison. As long as I take what? Oh, that Wikipedia is factual. Yeah, it's so... factual enough. It's from Box Office Mojo. I've used them as a resource in the past. Um, disappointing that it only made five million now that I'm actually seeing those numbers. Yeah. That's... that's um, Probably, it's better than that. It's better than that. It's a movie that, um, to be fair, probably hard to market. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, it being a con movie and being a Ryan Johnson movie, um, particularly having watched all of, uh, Poker Face in the last few months, having watched Glass Onion and Knives Out, like, there is perhaps too great of a tendency to kind of, as an audience member, like, go, okay, but what's really happening here? Mm-hmm. But what's really happening here? Um, and I think that deterred my enjoyment a little bit more than it should have. If Mm -hmm. I had just let it happen to me, I might have enjoyed it more. Not to say I didn't enjoy it, but I think I was trying to outthink it. And honestly, this is not a movie to outthink, um, which is a little bit unusual given where Ryan Johnson's career has sort of gone over the last few years. Um, where he plays with structure in some really fascinating and effective ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is what it sets out to be, um, and what it tells you it is as well. Like, there's not really a big reveal at the end, or a surprise, or a twist. 
I mean, kind of. It ends a bit on a downer. I mean, it ends on a downer, but um, it's not a reveal mm-hmm. in the sort of sense that I might expect from Knives Out, Glass Onion. Well, you're talking murder mystery versus Con Man movie. Uh, absolutely. But, I mean, Con Man movies are known for doing that as well. I mean, you can go back to The Sting is a classic example where the audience is not in on the full con until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and this is, it's weird that this is a spoiler, the audience is pretty much in on the con the whole way in this movie. There's mm-hmm. never a, a, an extra reveal. Or similarly to like, um, maybe my favorite con movie, which is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where there is... A surprise at the end. See, I I disagree. Okay, disagree. I think that the audience is in the dark a little bit. Like, when they reveal... When they're in Mexico Mm -hmm. at the end of the con with Penelope, Rachel Weiss's Mm -hmm. character, um, Bloom admits to being a con man Mm -hmm. and, you know, tells her everything. Mm -hmm. And that, turns out, was part of the con. I guess I expected that to be part of the con. But, I mean, I wasn't yeah. surprised. Yeah. I thought it was a possibility, that's but fair. I didn't know for sure. I that guess that's that, true. Because you could tell he was doing the thing you're not yeah. supposed to do, which was falling Call in for love uh, for the mark. So yeah. it seemed probable that he would back out of the con, tell her everything, and try to, like, Save right the off day. Into the yeah, yeah, yeah. That made That's sense okay. to me. Okay. Um, the problem was that Stephen, Mark Ruffalo's character, was so good at reading Mark's and everyone else. Yeah. That he could put into his plan that Bloom would <laughs> fall in love with the Mark. <laughs> so. There was this question of, is it part of the con? Is it not part of the con? Yeah, Can ref- I guess the question is, who's being conned? Yeah. That might be a way of phrasing yeah. it. Yeah. But it seems like at the end of the movie, you're questioning, is this part of the con job or not? Mm-hmm. They've played with this fake shooting mm-hmm. twice before, so you got your third time at the end. Mm-hmm. Um and the, the big question is, is Ruffalo really in trouble mm-hmm. with the mob? Or is that part of the con, that he gets shot? And it's not a con. It's not. It's not a con. He does get beaten up and killed by the Russians. Yes. Um, and that's like the last thing that Adrian Brody realizes at the end of the film, because he thought... Was. He was being conned. Yeah. So I, I felt like the film really in like the third act was playing with okay. what's what's con, what's not con. Um and I and I think you kind of also see that through Brody's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would agree you definitely see it through his eyes. I guess I'm comparing it to something like well, as I said, Sting or 
um, the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where there's and not really... Hmm? Possible spoilers for The Sting and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'm trying to avoid spoilers for The Sting and the Dirty Rotten okay. Scoundrels. But, yes, possibilities for spoilers. In both of those movies, the reveal... Well, the the last minute reveal is never in doubt. So I think I think Johnson is playing with it more so. Like when you get to the reveal in The Sting or in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, that's it. You know, that's the button, that's the prestige to use that metaphor. Whereas here there's never until the blood on Bloom's shirt at the very end. There's never It's always up in the air. We're always seeing it through his eyes and through his perspective, mm -hmm. rather than sort of everything being laid out for the audience. I'm not sure if I'm making my point well, but... Well, I think to some extent, Bloom's in the dark, so the audience is in the dark. Yes. Uncertain. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's unusual about it, is because usually... It's just the audience in the dark, rather than greater than scoundrels. The audience and the other people are in the dark as well. But I don't. It's. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying this is a bad thing or a structural mistake or or even. But I think Johnson is playing with Bloom's expectations as much as our own. Maybe that's the way to put what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay, there. I'm thinking about... Well, I think that Stephen... Stephen knows people well enough. He knows Bloom well enough. That he knows every time Bloom quits, he'll be able to rope him back in mm -hmm. to another con. Mm -hmm. um, and Bloom, I'm not sure, knows that. I feel like he thinks he may have the agency to yeah. quit and stay quit. He thinks he's in control of his decisions. <laughs> and he's not. And he's not. And that's established from the very beginning. Yes. That's true. Speaking of the very beginning, I love that Ricky Jay was narrating the little... Uh, Parable at the beginning. Who is Ricky Jay? Ricky Jay is, was, I think he died a few years ago, a magician and skeptic and debunker mm -hmm. of fake magic. That's mm -hmm. that's a weird way of saying that. All magic is fake. But some, mag some magicians tell you they're lying to you. Some magicians lie to you. Mm -hmm. um, like, so fraudulently um and ricky jay worked at debunking those sorts of things but he has also been a consultant on lots of these types of movies for many mm. years he's also was also just an amazing like sleight of hand magician mm -hmm. um i i didn't see this in the text or in the in the stuff on like wikipedia I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he's the one that taught Rachel Weisz to do that card trick she does. Because mm -hmm. that was a very Ricky J esque trick. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, he was also um, in... It's not the game. It was a David Mamet film about con artists that he was in. Um, anyway, I'm... He, Ricky Jay is the sort of um, person you cast in that role for people like me who are like, hey, that's Ricky Jay's voice. And everyone else is like, eh, sure, whatever. <laughs> well, that adds an interesting layer. I, I did like the little beginning story about the mm-hmm. two young brothers, uh, yeah. Bloom. House of was... Games. Sorry, I just looked it up. That was the, the that movie was I was the thinking of. David, David Mamet. Um, about con artists. But... Uh, yeah, no, the, the opening narration and little, like, I want to call it a parable, but it wasn't a parable. It was just a, a story of their childhood and how they became the Brothers Bloom um, was very good. It was. I think that that might have been better storytelling than the rest of the film mm-hmm. ended up being. I could see that. I, I think it was a tighter story, if that yeah. makes sense. This... The rest of the film is a little bit shaggy around the edges. It reminds me of Up. How everybody remembers the <laughs> opening to Up. And then the and rest then, of the movie's like, then... eh. <laughs> I did kind of hope at the beginning of the movie that the entire thing was going to be in rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would have... That would have been very difficult, but very cool. Yeah. And is the kind of thing Ryan Johnson might do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I also thought while I was watching it, not the aesthetics of the film, not the mise en scène, mm-hmm. but um, the the actual filming itself mm-hmm. reminded me of the 70s films. Yes. And then I looked on Wikipedia at all of the influences for this film were from the 70s. I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, I certainly um, am not surprised by that. See, that, because yes, I agree, it had that, that... It was like 70s cinematography. Yes. So it wasn't the costumes or the the sets. Mm -hmm. Although that cinematography made the movie feel outside of time a few mm-hmm. and like i because i asked myself at one point like when does this take place mm-hmm. um which is funny because there weren't any like anachronisms or like period specific things that it would have to have been like i, I guess they went to prague and it was like explicitly in the czech republic so if you're going to time it there but well they didn't use cell phones they didn't use cell phones um, there was mention of a cell phone. There was mention that Bang Bang gave her her number, but I don't think they said it was a cell phone number. It was. Bloom said, I didn't know she had a cell phone. Oh, okay. So that was the, like, but that was like the first time that sort of modern convenience technology was acknowledged. Yeah. Um, they were on it's, a steamer. <laughs> they were on a steamer. They were well, on I a guess train. The Lamborghinis that uh, Penelope was driving Said it in a certain time period. (laughs) I don't think they ever interacted with computers. No. Um, which was all interesting choices in a in a in a good way. Like I I appreciated the analog nature of so much of it. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it felt 
right out of the 70s. Once again, uh, I don't know if once again, but uh, as always, shout out to uh, Steve Yedlin. Yeah, there's definitely, I'm, I'm seeing the style of Steve Yedlin yeah. of Ryan Johnson films. And yeah. you can see, it made me think that his, like, Knives Out and Glass Onion were pared down versions of the 70s cinematography. <laughs> yeah. There were still some elements of it. <laughs> oh, there were it. absolutely some elements of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, uh, Yedlin guy, he does some good, uh, some good cinematographies. He does some good cinematographies. <laughs> Should probably, like, keep him around or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Johnson's only made every film of his with him, so, mm-hmm. um, man, I just got mad about, uh, The Last Jedi again, sorry. We don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that segue is too great. Yeah, yeah. Um, can't believe they did that. They did my boy Ryan dirty. Anyway, this was a fun movie. Uh, I liked the cast. I think Rachel Weiss did Weiss Weiss. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think she did a lot with a role that could have been bad mm-hmm. in other hands. Mm-hmm. Um, very unusual character yeah not the normal like love interest of a con man movie no and and she had the potential to but i don't think ever fell into the like manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. space i think had she not done a really good job in the role that could have happened Mm -hmm. And it would have been bad. <laughs> because, like, oh, she's quirky, and she has all these weird skills, and she's socially awkward. But she brought a humanity to it that made her not feel like just a foil for Bloom. Mm-hmm. But like a, a person with opinions and feeling and... And some agency. And some agency, yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. She was not there just to be the object of Bloom's affection. She was a person. And she made a pinhole camera out of a watermelon, and that was cool. Made me want to make a pinhole camera. Well, it's almost watermelon season. Hey, you could make a pinhole make out of something else. I mean, I made a uh, uh, pinhole uh, Eclipse Viewer once. That was mm-hmm. fun. Out of a shoebox. Yeah, that's... The kind of the normal go-to thing you make a pinhole yeah. thing out of. But it's the, same, it's the same optics. It's yes. the same, I mean, a, it is, a pinhole viewer for Eclipse is, is a pinhole camera. It's <laughs> using the same doodad. Uh, properties of physics. <laughs> I thought the film was going to be over in Mexico mm-hmm. when they finished the con and she sees through it. Mm-hmm. And and it was going to maybe not end right there. There would be wrap a, up there. It would wrap up. And that was only the end of the second act. Yeah. Really. You really had the third act entirely after that. And the third act to me felt out of place. Interesting. Like it didn't quite fit with the rest of the film. I'm not sure in like a mistake kind of way. Mm-hmm. I, I think 
may have been trying to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Here's what I think. And it may, this may be what you're feeling. This may not be. I think if this had been a more traditional, tightly wound con film, that is where it would have ended. I think that's what I'm feeling, is because he was playing with the genre a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's why the third act was more unexpected. It didn't... It was a surprise, because I, I thought we were done in yeah. Mexico. But you that know, was the end of the second act. The story. Yeah. But there, we had, there was more story to go, and... Kind of like when TV shows have... Like, four different endings in one episode. <laughs> they'll stop, they'll do a little black screen, then they'll do another scene of something yeah, else. And yeah. you're like, all these false starts yeah. to get to the end. Um, so I, I agree that the third act felt very different. And I think that was... No, I think yeah. it was intentional. Yeah. I just am unsure yeah, of how... Fair. how I, I think it, it's one of the things that makes me less fond of this mm. as a Johnson That's fair. film. Yeah. You gotta explore a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a thing that you know that I didn't know until I was looking it up after the movie. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, who played the curator, mm-hmm. Melville, also played Hagrid. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew that immediately. I know you I did. I knew that was Hagrid. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> That's why I started out by saying, here's the thing you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You were right. I did notice that. Any question? I think I might be getting this confused with Stephen Dedalus. But is Stephen Bloom a, a literary character? Am I getting that confused with Bloomsday celebrating so Joyce? you're not. Okay. So all of the characters, well, or the three main characters of Stephen Bloom and Penelope, are name share names with the three main characters in Ulysses. Okay. Okay. Um, which is interesting, um, but I don't think the movie does anything with it. Yeah, okay. I was like, there's something Joycean about this. I just it is. can't put my it name on it. It is very Joycean. Um, because the, the three characters are Leopold Bloom, Stephen Dedalus, and Penelope, Bloom's mm. wife. Um, and I've never finished reading Ulysses. What I read of it was very good. It's a very good book. Possibly the most important 20th century novel. Um... But just giving those characters those names without fully drawing into, like, the joycey nature of it felt incomplete. Mm. It felt like, really what it felt like was Ryan Johnson had a neat idea and then didn't know how to finish it. Mm-hmm. Well, he also he have the... Um... The connection between the boat. Yes, the Fidel and, and Melville. The curators, they gave his name as Melville. Yeah. And she points out that that's from Melville's, the con man, mm-hmm. the, the ship name. Yes. 
So she it sounded never points like... out that she she and the two guys she's working with share the same names as the characters from Ulysses. No. no she's... <laughs> um, I did read that originally the name of the movie was going to be Penelope, which I think is interesting. Hmm. Um, because that shifts. It's funny how shifting the name shifts the focus of mm -hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I think naming it Penelope... would have even if you took the exact same film and you just called it Penelope with the characters of Stephen and Bloom it almost tells you that those Joycean aspects are stronger because I mean obviously Joyce with Ulysses is going back to Homer with the Odyssey where Penelope is the, the goal at the end mm -hmm. and it's you know, even if we don't spend a lot of time with her in those... I mean, we do spend a lot of time with her in Joyce, but I don't think I know enough about Homer or Joyce to make this analogy. I think if you tell the audience the movie is about Penelope, the names make more sense, mm -hmm. structurally. When, but when you call it the Brothers Bloom, it loses that. Um, also the fact that Bloom's first and last name appear to be Bloom is very confusing and I think hurts doing anything with the names <laughs> effectively and I think if you had not called them the Brothers Bloom but instead just had them be named Stephen and Bloom and then call them nothing don't give them a last name it could work I don't know I'm very much speculating about these things but I'm trying to, as a dramaturg, make the names make sense in the context of the film. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they're clearly very deliberate names. You can call them Jack and Diane, and he called them Bloom and Penelope. Mm -hmm. I do think it's weird that I've made it this far in my life as a Ryan Johnson film and I've never seen this movie before. I've owned it for a long time. Oh, we didn't watch your version. We watched it on HBO. Yeah. Because I figured HBO might be in high def. Because mine's from a DVD. Ah. So. I was also thinking about the character of Bang Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Bang Bang. <sighs> How maybe that doesn't age so well. You see, what, what I was getting from Bang Bang was reminding me of the character... Karen Fukuhara plays in The Boys, and I can't yeah. remember what her name is in The Boys, what her character's name is. But she's like, uh, in The Boys, she is mute mm -hmm. and is very good at kicking ass, mm -hmm. and it is probably smarter has more common sense than the men around her. Yeah. Uh, Kimiko is her name. Uh, Kimiko. The boys. Um, yes, sorry, I just looked that up while you were saying. Thanks. But yeah. while you were making your point about... Yeah, and so, I, I see that. It reminded me of that because here is another Asian, Asian-American woman who doesn't speak, who may be better at her job... Than the men around. 
they have different they have different skill sets. And yeah. then I was like, well, what is this trope of the silent Asian woman? Mm-hmm. Is is this a trope that I haven't noticed before? This seems like. So here's an interesting fact for you. Um, Rinko Kikuchi played a mute character in the film before this. I, too. I saw that on Wikipedia. And too, I haven't and seen that, that And that just added more like, Wait, questions. What? what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think Bang Bang in isolation is fine. But the question of, like, what is this cultural conversation that we're becoming a part of here? Or reinforcing? I don't know. Because the stereotype of Asian woman Mm -hmm. is meek and submissive. Yes. And so to take a literal voice away Mm -hmm. plays into that stereotype. Mm -hmm. And once in isolation could be a character quirk. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing it multiple times... It's weird. <laughs> gives me some pause. Yeah. I, I, I feel your pause. I feel your hesitation around that. And the fact that at least um, Kimiko in The Boys and Bang Bang in The Brothers Boom, neither of them are deaf. They no, can hear, mute. but they cannot speak, yes. or they do not speak. Yes. I mean, uh, Bang Bang literally says three words in English over mm-hmm. the course of the film, other than when she sings karaoke, which, interesting or not, but um, she literally says three words, <laughs> um, which, of course, is a reference to the fact that Stephen at one point says, I don't know if she knows more than three words of English. And then, of course, we hear her say three words over the course of it. I I feel like we're kind of ignoring the fact that this movie is full of those Ryan Johnson-esque touches that are absolutely, like, expected but brilliant in his movies. Um, Like the part where Stephen says, you know, if I ever con you, I'll die, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course... Like, that's literally the thing that happens at the end. Oh, yeah, I didn't didn't make that connection. Yeah. Um, And he cons Bloom because he's dying in those last moments when he does the magic trick and yada yada. Anyway, um, back to Bang Bang. Um, So, yes, having the characters be explicitly mute so that there is a communication gap that only travels one way is weird. <laughs> um, oh, so clearly she understands English. Yes. She, she chooses she clearly not to speak. English. She chooses not to speak for reasons that are not explained or developed. Um, not that they have to be, but again, the fact that it's happened multiple times and for what it's worth... The Boys, the TV show, is a relatively new thing. It's been on the last few years. The comic for The Boys started in 2006. So, of a very similar era mm-hmm. that this is coming out, where um, I don't know if Kimiko in the comics is ever given a name. Um, I think for a long time she's only ever referred to as the female. Um, which we can unpack, but... <laughs> I don't think you and I need to do that right now. 
she's given a better character arc in the TV show, and I'll say that much. Um, I think it's cool that Rachel Weiss did that magic trick. Yeah, I didn't think she had... Because it's, it's like a continuous shot, and you see... You don't see her whole body while she's doing it, her hands and her face, but you do see her face reflected in a mm-hmm. mirror. And so I was watching that thinking, like, how did they do Obviously, those aren't her hands. <laughs> how did they make that shot and get her face in the mirror? But apparently, it was her hands. Yeah, the easiest way to do it is just uh, teach her the trick. <laughs> That's a good trick, though. I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by that moment, having yeah. to learn that trick and deliver a monologue while... While doing it. While doing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have a lot else to say. Do you have much else to say? Uh, those were my main things. I liked it. I don't yeah. know that I would call it my favorite Ryan Johnson Definitely, film. Definitely not my favorite. But... When you've got a uh, filmography full of bangers like he's got, it's hard to uh, hard to get too sad about. <laughs> Good. You want to tell them about our Patreon? Yeah. Uh, we've got a Patreon where you can support our show. Uh, it is a per-episode basis, so it's not monthly. It's only when we release a new episode. They get charged for their support on a per-episode basis. I said that like the weirdest way possible. <laughs> um, you can put a monthly cap on it, however, if we over, over-release and you're like, no, nah, I, I don't want to support you that much, just a little bit. We're fine with that. Um, you do get two wonderful perks when you support us. One of them is the fully unedited episodes. So yes, we make the podcast worse for you, our Patronis. Um, you hear it from the moment the mic turns on to the moment the mic turns off, uh, where we talk to our cat, amongst other things. You also get a list of movies we did not watch. So I will often give Amy a list of movies to pick from, usually about five, and then Amy will pick one, and that works for our respective brains for picking movies. Um, and even if you don't support us on Patreon, listening to us is awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. If you are, review us on your favorite podcatcher. Tell your friends about it. Um, save us onto a thumb drive and leave us in a random parking lot. Don't put random thumb drives in your computer. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, don't do that. But leaving thumb drives around, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone who listens to us talk about movies and stuff that we watch. Uh, we would record these conversations. We would have these conversations anyway. We're just recording them for the benefit of others. Thank you for listening. We have a website. It's five, five degrees, degrees between, between dot us. us. And we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash five degrees. Ooh, you're out of practice. I am out of practice. I'm sorry. That's okay. We got all the pertinent information. Good. Yeah. Okay. Say goodnight, Amy. Good night, Amy.